Good morning. Good morning, church. If I'd known Johnny was going to speed through that middle section, I would have written a longer sermon. Um, over the last few weeks, that was more funny in my head. Uh, we've been in a series called Spirit Life, and this is our final week looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And particularly this week, we're looking at gifts of speech. And I was thinking about that this week uh, when I was with my youngest son, Simeon. He's nearly two, and words are exploding out of him at the moment. But there was a particularly significant occasion in the last few weeks where I realized the power of his newfound faculty of speech because he said, Lechla. Some of you know who he's talking to. But for the first time, the Amazon Echo responded. The little blue lights came up at the bottom. She had listened to Simeon. The end is nigh in our house. She might actually start listening to him and doing what he says. He's too. He shouldn't be trusted with that much power. And Simeon, he doesn't just tell Alexa what to do. One of his favorite phrases at the moment is, no, Luke. Luke is his middle brother. Luke is six. Simeon is nearly two. Simeon doesn't care. Simeon's going to win this fight. Simeon is in the first flush of figuring out what his words can make happen. He's beginning to test the limits of the things that he can ask for, mainly lock, lock, chocolate, and pizza, which is charmingly Italian. But there have been some beautiful moments as well. The other day, I put some more food on his plate. It wasn't pizza or chocolate. We are more responsible than that on some days. And he said, Dadu Jesus, Amen. Before he ate it, look at that. Raising a child in the way that he should go, fulfilling my vow that I made at ordination to try to raise my household in a way that honors the Lord. Also very cute. <laughs> um, but I've been watching Simeon taste the power of words as I've been thinking about these gifts of speech. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at gifts of knowledge and gifts of power. We've grouped these gifts into threes. And today we have our final trio, various kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And I assume most of you are familiar based on what happened in worship. But what unites these three gifts, I think, is that they are marked by a gifted ability to join in with what God is saying. Let me say that to you again. These gifts of speech are marked by a gifted ability to join in with what God is saying. So, to unpack this, I want to give you a very brief overview of God's words in the Bible, and then look at how this helps us to understand these three gifts of speech. So, first, God's words. Throughout Scripture, God speaks. And we're going to take a whistle-stop tour through five stations to see how that looks. Are you ready? Are you ready? Good. First, creation. In the beginning, the earth was, formless, was a formless void, and then God said. God speaks creation into being. Light, darkness, seas, stars, whales, wildebeest, and women. I'm not really sure what the grouping is there, but there you go. Creation is a product of God's word. I thought about changing it and I went with it. God's word is creative and it is powerful. First, creation. Second, sustenance. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, One does not live 
by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, God's creative work is not something that he does once, then steps back and lets it tick along for the rest of time. It's something which is still ongoing. That creative word is a word which is still being spoken. Every word out of the mouth of God is what we depend on. Creation, you and I, we rest like a feather on the breath of God. God's word sustains you in the most fundamental sense and in every other sense. Creation, sustenance, revelation. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son. Jesus Christ is the word of God and this is so important. God doesn't just speak creation. He speaks himself within creation. And this is how you know who God is, because God reveals himself. Without Jesus, we don't get to know God in this way. Creation, sustenance, revelation, redemption. Later in Hebrews, the writer refers to Jesus' blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What's going on here? The blood of Abel cries out about the guilt of sin, but the blood of Christ speaks of a sacrifice for sin once and for all that reconciles you and me to God. God's word over you here is that you are ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. This is who you are. God's word redeems you. And that's not even the end of the story. Finally, renewal, making new. In Revelation 21 verse 5, the one on the throne of heaven says, See, I am making all things new. Remember what happens when God speaks creation. Things come into being. When God proclaims a new creation... That's what's going to happen. And that reality is already at work within you. That's why Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old has gone. Look, the new has come. See, this is the biblical story of what God is saying. This is the biblical story of God's words in a nutshell. They create goodness. They sustain being. They reveal God. They redeem his people and they make new. This is the kind of thing that happens when God speaks. And I think some people maybe just needed to hear that bit this morning. Because where you're weary, God sustains you. Where you're broken, God renews you. And where you're desperate and you can't figure it out, God speaks himself to you. He reveals himself. He redeems you. He creates new possibilities. He speaks to the ancient, the the gates in you and the doors in you that have been locked since you were a child. And he lifts up their heads for the sake of the king of glory entering into your life. That's what happens when God speaks. And that matters because these speaking in various tongues, the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, they are gifted abilities to join in with what God's saying. And if we're joining in with what God's saying, then we should expect similar things. 
to happen. We should expect the same things to happen. So let's turn our attention to tongues, interpretation, and prophecy to see how this lands in each case. So, first, various kinds of tongues. Now, the first mention of people speaking in tongues in Scripture is in Acts 2. It's at the festival of Pentecost. And what happens at Pentecost is primarily, the most fundamental thing that happens at Pentecost is God shows up. You can tell this because there's fire and wind. There's the sound of a rushing wind. And that, those are the markers of God becoming present in the whole of the Old Testament. What's unusual about God showing up at Pentecost is that he is not up a mountain delivering the Ten Commandments or speaking to Elijah out of the silence. Actually, Holy Spirit's being poured out on believers. And these believers turn around and do the weirdest thing. They all start speaking other languages, languages that they haven't learned with the kind of reckless enthusiasm and excitement and perhaps even slurred pronunciation, they've never learned them, that make onlookers wonder if they've had a few too many, even though it's 9 a.m. But I think the weirdness of that moment can obscure one of the shocking things that's happening. Up to this point in the story of Scripture, the tendency is that God does something and then his people speak about it. They tell the story of what God's done. God does things and people witness to those things. The word of the Lord happens to a prophet and then the prophet goes and delivers oracles. This is the pattern, right? When you get to Pentecost, that pattern changes. At Pentecost, the believers start to proclaim the mighty acts of God, Acts 2 verse 11, and they do this in various tongues, and what they are saying becomes the sign of God's presence itself. The sign of God's presence is the thing that's coming out of their mouth. Their words are not explaining what God has done. As they speak in tongues, they are what God is doing. They are what God is doing. That is how speaking in tongues joins in with what God is saying. It makes God's present manifest. And it doesn't do it in the way that language normally does. In Romans 8, Johnny's already mentioned this, Paul talks about the spirit groaning without words within us. And actually, speaking in tongues can be like this wordless groaning. It's, it can be meaningful without being straightforwardly understandable. It can be meaningful without being straightforwardly understandable. And I can see maybe some people in the room, or maybe it's just myself, thinking, hmm, right now. Hmm, how does meaningful but not understandable work? And you're accidentally proving the point. Because hmm is meaningful without being straightforwardly understandable in the way that I'm not sure about that is. Speaking in tongues lives in this area. It's meaningful without being straightforwardly understandable. But it joins in with what God is saying because it is a sign of his presence and a sign of his reality even when you're not saying something that somebody can understand. 
And that gap in understanding is why God gives gifts of interpretation. We're not going to spend ages here, but I want to highlight that it's interpretation and not translation. This gift takes the meaning that is in the various kinds of tongues and puts it into words that you can understand. That's how interpretation joins in with what God is saying. It makes the connection between the manifestation of God's presence and reality in tongue speech and your mind. And that's necessary. Why is it necessary? Because these gifts are given for the common good. And the things that happen in the common good exist in this language-based sphere because that's how we interact with each other and how we understand each other. We go through language. So interpretation takes what is going on in these various kinds of tongues and brings it into the common good by helping us to understand its significance. So that's speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues which brings us to prophecy. And I think this is probably the important one. And the reason that I think that is that later in 1 Corinthians, not long after the passage that Xu Young read to us this morning, Paul emphasizes the importance of prophecy over speaking in tongues. And I think that this sense of the power in God's words can help you to see why. Prophecy has a power that speaking in tongues can't have because prophecy doesn't just manifest God's presence, it proclaims his reality. Prophecy doesn't just manifest the reality of God, it proclaims it. This is how prophecy joins in with what God is saying. It proclaims God's reality into situations. A little bit like Matt did when he was leading us in prayer. It speaks this now and not yet over the situation that we see, that we know Jubilee is coming, but we groan. We groan under the weight of the not yet, and we hold this reality before God and declare God's reality to it. Prophecy joins in with what God is saying by declaring God's kingdom over the kingdom of darkness, by taking up God's ability to speak to things that are not as though they were and applies that to his world. Prophecy joins in with what God is saying in probably the fullest possible way because it speaks his spirit life into the city to see it come alive. And there are links there with words of wisdom and knowledge and discernment, our knowledge gifts, because they help us to know what to say. And there are links here with gifts of faith and works of power because you're trusting that God will and can act and you're believing to see it as you speak. And that's not surprising that there are these links here because it's one spirit giving gifts to see the work of the Lord outworked in the world, to further the kingdom of heaven, to see, more, to see more of the world look more like it would be if God reigned now on earth as he does in heaven. 
But to try to give this some feet, I want to give you an example of a prophetic gift in operation that maybe looks a little bit different to what you might expect, or at least look different to what I expected it to look like. So come with me to a coffee shop in your imaginations only. I'm sat opposite a guy who's explaining the pressures that he's under, and they're coming from every side. There's no area of life which isn't significantly complicated. You know, like one would just be like, maybe it's a little bit choppy. Two, yeah, maybe that's quite hard. Three, okay, it sounds like you're in a storm. There's just no let up. It's coming from all sides. And as he speaks, I start to notice what he needs from God. And I don't just mean, you know, it would be amazing if you had a million pounds. I mean, not, I don't even mean what will actually solve the problems. But actually, I feel like I start to notice the gifts that the Father desires to give this person in the midst of this storm. And this person keeps speaking. And I listen. And I notice. And I wait. And I notice. And they keep speaking. And I keep listening. And then... I open my mouth to pray because I've got nothing smart to say. And something that I'm not expecting comes out. Because I've noticed what I think God wants to give this person. And so I just start giving it away. Just start giving it away. Not asking God to give these gifts, but saying that they are His on the basis of God's riches. I start blessing him with what I've noticed that he needs. Not because I have this at my disposal, but because I know, I know that God does. And I know that God speaks to create, to sustain, to reveal, to redeem and renew. And I know that what he says actually has the power to do these things. And I trust that he's speaking here. And I know that he's invited me to join in because the Spirit gives gifts, because he wants to bless this child who is sat in front of me. So start, I just start proclaiming what God's doing. It comes out of me and I don't know what's going on. And speaking these gifts into life. And there's tears and snot and we hug. And I know because I spoke to him later that it had an impact when he went back to the situations that he was facing. It didn't stay just in that moment. Church, these gifts are for you. These gifts are for you. And especially so if you've, if you've been burned before. Especially so if you can't quite imagine this because someone said something prophetic to you and it lingered and not in a good way and you haven't managed to get over that or to get past that. And I know that because it's true of me. I know that's because it's true of me because one of the other key memories for me around prophecy is being sat in a room 
where uh, in, on a retreat, in a retreat setting uh, with some people that I didn't know particularly well. And the, the rules of the game were, everybody stand up and you can sit down when you've prophesied or said what God is doing or something like that. And I was mid crisis about whether God speaks. I know that you don't believe that I ever had that because somehow I'm on the platform, but it's true. I was in my second year as an undergraduate at university and I was dubious about the possibility of God speaking, um, which makes this highly ironic. Uh, um, and I stood up along with everyone else because I'm nothing if not obedient. And I was the last person stood up, which is not a shock because I wasn't sure if God speaks. And the overwhelming sensation in this memory for me is the burning sense of shame as I was confronted by the leaders in this setting about the fact that I wasn't willing to say anything. I should have just made something up and sat down. But that's how I know God redeems this. Because that same person, I'm the same person in both rooms, right? That's how I know God redeems this. So especially if you've been burned, the church is the gifted community, and you're part of that. Church is gifted with the life of God. It's gifted with the love of God, and it's gifted in this particular passage the ability to join in with what God is saying. And that's not about me or Amy or Johnny or Beth or some prophetic wonder preacher that you saw on the God channel, if that is still a thing. It's about you. God has spirit life words that you need to say because you're going to be sat across from someone. You can't all come see me in a cafe because I haven't got that much time. But you're going to be sat across from someone and God, you're going to notice some gift and God wants you to give it away. And that's why prophecy. That's why God wants you to be built up enough when you get there. And that's why tongues. So that you can manifest the presence of God in your own life. God calls the church into being because he loves the world and he chooses you to speak his spirit life to this world. He chooses you to speak hope. Life to the dry bones. And he chooses you, even and especially, not to hammer this point, if you have reservations about whether or not you can hear his voice. In fact, I think I have something to say to you. I want to tell you to stop panicking. I want to tell you to stop panicking and wondering and second guessing. Because when it comes to these gifts of speech, there are no experts. It brings me back to Simeon. We're all like toddlers stammering God's words after him. Maybe the most grown-up among us are like five-year-olds. I don't know. But there are no experts. There are no people who possess these words, who hold on to this gift. Because it's a gift. God gives it. You don't control it because God's bigger than that. Maybe you're anxious about whether you can hear God's voice. Maybe, maybe you're just downcast. Maybe you, you can't imagine that God would use you. But God 
lifts, God opens gates, God lifts up ancient doors, however long you've been downcast, whether that feels like it's an ancient door in your life, whether it's an ancient blockage that has been running for years in your life, God lifts that up so that he can come in and so that you can join in with his gift of speaking. God wants to lift your head this morning. He's the lifter of your head and he wants to open your mouth so that you can speak. We're told to eagerly desire these gifts. And who wouldn't want to join in with what God is saying? And I just want to suggest to you three things that we can do that can help us to join in with what God's saying as I close. So it will help. These are all very obvious. If you know God, if you read your Bible and you pray, ultimately, despite my crisis of faith, studying theology, I think, made me more prophetic not less, because it contributed so much to what I know about God. Knowing the way that God tends to speak in Scripture helps you to see what he might be doing. It will help if you know God's grace. The way that he tends to talk to you, because God, God doesn't speak in the abstract. I think that might be why it's hard to study it. But God doesn't speak in the abstract. He speaks to people. The gospel God's word to us is always personal, even if it is never private. It is always personal. God doesn't speak in the abstract. He speaks to you in a way that you can hear, in a way that works for you, whether it's pictures or words or a sense or a scripture or songs or the words of the saints who have gone before, by which I mean the Christian tradition or any Christian book you've ever read, really. I'll put it all in that category. It'll help if you know God. It'll help if you know God's grace. And it'll help if you know God's people. The people that he's speaking to you for and the people that he's speaking through to you. In the Bible, prophets are passionately committed to the people of God even when they are called to say the hardest things. And they end up in a cistern, a big well. It's true, read it. Um, the community, prophets are committed to the community, and the community is called to weigh and test what people say when they prophesy. That means it's not definitely God's word because someone said it really loud one time. I know that might be a shock, even if it was me. Remember this when God gives you a prophetic word through someone. Know God's people. Test it with the community. So those are some things that you can do that can help you to join in with what God's saying. But I mean it when I say that we're all toddlers stammering God's words after him. But as someone with very recent experience of a nearly two-year-old, I can tell you that they know how to ask for what they want. It's kind of how they learn their words. So that's where we're coming at the end of this. What do you want? If you want the Holy Spirit to fill you for the sake of the world around you, if you want to join in with what God's saying, if you want to speak in tongues, and if you want to interpret, and if you want to prophesy, 
then I want to invite you to come. We've got people that will stand with you and pray, and they'll stammer God's words after him, after, after him to you. But come. Come if you're hungry, and come if you're hurting. There's space at the front. I think, I think the musicians will rejoin us. But whether they do or not, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you if you're hungry. 